I want to preach now. Second Corinthians <laughs> chapter 4. I want to read this passage to you. I just want to thank you for being a great church. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Here's the word of the Lord. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man who Christ, in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Now, I want you to pay attention to these three verses. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can you say amen for the word? I want to use the topic today, the adequacy of God. The adequacy of God. We're going to discuss at least one real person from the Bible, and that's the Apostle Paul. We might talk a little bit about Jacob. But I wanted you to note that Paul said that there was something within his flesh, something that people couldn't see that caused him a weakness, something that he sought God about that he wanted God to remove and to take away. Came to the conclusion that God wasn't going to do that. But he, he tells us what God will do what God said he would do, what he was trusting God to do. The word adequacy, as you know, is just the state of being adequate, but more so it's the sufficiency for a particular purpose, having just what you need for the purpose that you have. And, and my intent in this message is just, to, is just to prove to you that God is adequate for us. No matter what you're living with, no matter what you're living through, God is adequate. Here's the big idea, and, and this is what I don't want you to forget. The big idea of this message is through the power of Christ, God will give us the ability to endure and overcome inner trials. Whenever I 
talk about my life as a Christian, whether it be people ask me about it, whether it be in just general conversation, whether it be in a, in a setting of evangelism or a time of ministry, there's always a few things that I say about the Christian life or the Christian experience. I, I talk about the, the joy of having forgiveness of sins and what that means to me. I talk about the, the, the peace in my conscience because of forgiveness of sins, having peace in my conscience. I talk about having fellowship with God the Father and how good that is and how right that is and how God designed that is for us to be in unison, to be in harmony, to be in step, to be at peace with the God who created the planet, the creator. So to be, to be in fellowship with God the Father, I'll talk about the, the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to overcome temptations and to just to, to war uh, on a daily basis. I'll even talk about the light and the leading that God gives us from daily living, how that he can guide our steps, give us direction, that our life is guided by him, the joy that comes with that, the peace that comes with that. That's the good side of Christianity, and, and hopefully when you talk about Christianity, you can talk about the same thing. Those are the real experiences. <clears throat> I don't need to talk about cars and houses. I don't need to talk about money. I don't need to talk about none of that stuff when I talk about my experiences with Christian life. <clears throat> I don't even need to necessarily talk about the things that God has delivered me from. Just the forgiveness of sins tells you that. Having a peaceful conscience tells you that. Being in fellowship with God tells you that. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying when I present this oftentimes, those are the things that I bring up because those are the real things. No matter what shakes in the rest of life, those things I got. Y'all with me on that? I have peace in my conscience. I have forgiveness of sins, fellowship with God the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the leading of God for daily life. Those things will never go away. They're unchangeable because my hand is held on to an unchangeable God. But then there's another side of Christianity that I don't necessarily rush to. And, and that's the daily chastening and discipline that I receive from God every day. Daily chastening and discipline for growth and for maturity. There's also the daily battle that we have of fighting against the flesh fighting the world, and fighting the devil. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's a, daily, that's a daily battle. But I also know in my life that there's times and there's seasons where there's things that's within me. They're inner trials. I almost want to call them secret trials. They're not, it's not sin. It's not unconfessed sin. It's, it's not necessarily that. In most cases, it's not sin at all. But, but inner stuff that goes on that nobody sees, but it can be strong enough and it can be powerful enough just to send you down a road of some dark days and some dark moments. It's, it's just inner. It's, it's an inner trial, real-life situation. Everyone among your ladies' group knows that you're the only one there divorced. They don't talk about it. They don't bring it up. They don't make an issue of it. You're one of them. 
Whatever's happened has happened. And you join in with them. And you talk about their families when they talk about it. You talk about the life that she has with her husband, the relationship with their children, their family vacations. You talk about them, you laugh with them, you enjoy it. No, your divorce is not a secret, but what is the secret is when you get away from them. The loneliness is so deep. The loneliness hurts so bad that in the times of the deep sorrow from your soul because of that loneliness that nobody can see, you're almost tempted never to hang out with them again. Everybody knows you've done a crime. Nobody brings it up. It's not an issue. It's, it's past. It's over. You've done your time. It's not a secret. If people didn't hear about it, they read about it. If they didn't read about it, they heard about it. But you've done your time. It's up. You've been loved. You've been accepted. Even the damage that was done with your family was reconciled. Damage that was done with friends was reconciled. All of that has worked out. You're accepted in the church. You're accepted in the church family. It's not even an issue. Even though the crime is no secret, what is the secret is that people don't know that you still deal with the shame of it and the scar that every now and then there's moments when it feels like somebody's pouring acid down your throat again. You're overweight. It's no secret. It's obvious. Know that you're working on it, dealing with it for health's sake, for life's sake, for Christ's sake. It's not, it's obvious. But the secret is the fear that you deal with that if this fails, what if I, if I just keep struggling with this and keep struggling with this and I fail? The fear of failing at that, that would be a failure not only that affects you, but can mark you and identify you the rest of your life. Do y'all know what I'm talking about now about secrets? Now, I could keep going on, but I'm telling you, I'm already in your contemplative thoughts. I'm already there. Those, those things that, again, are not necessarily sins at all. And we don't mind talking about the chasing and the discipline in life that we deal with on a daily basis because oftentimes that's because of things that people see. And we don't mind talking about that. We don't even mind, all of us have no problem talking about the battles that we face with the flesh and with the world and the devil. But it's those moments, those seasons, those things that are within us that never come out that have the ability to reel us right off the Christian plane and affect our relationship with the Almighty God. I was listening to a man recently, and he was talking about, he was a very successful man. He was talking about his life with alcohol and how that basically he had to remove himself from what he was doing. That was a success because the alcohol had taken over and had, was driving his life. He got through that, got back into that career, and then started struggling with prescription drugs. 
and got addicted to prescription drugs and had the same end result. He was actually talking about a lifestyle now that he was living. And he was saying that he believed the battle that he had with the alcohol and the prescription drugs, the drug addiction, was because he was now engaged in a lifestyle that he had fears and concerns about exposing. But as he was talking, he made a statement about being molested or abused when he was young. And he started saying that he never told anybody about it. And I said, bingo, that's the secret. You see, the alcohol wasn't really a problem because everybody saw that. And the drug addiction wasn't really the problem because everybody saw that. But what they didn't see was this boy growing up to be a man, dealing with the secret that he had on the inside, wrestling with his identity and wrestling with his sexuality that caused him to become or to do or be now who he is. The big idea of this message is this. Through the power of Christ, God will give us the ability to endure and overcome inner trials. And I want, I want again to look at the text because Paul is talking about, and just to, just to remind you a little bit of who he is, Paul was an absolutely called man of God who became, he went from Saul to be the apostle Paul. And because of what God was doing in his life and because of who God was, was going to send him to and what God was going to use him for, destiny was all over his life. The glory of God was definitely within him. What God was going to work in his life was very, very evident. But there was people that questioned Paul on whether he had the authority to speak the way he spoke. People were calling him an apostle. They were questioning whether he should be called an apostle. And who is he to be out starting churches and taking missionary journeys? Who is he to be telling us what to do and writing these letters and telling us God said this and God said that? They were questioning Paul. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians basically deals with Paul defending himself, unfortunately. For us, 2 Corinthians, is, it's, it's 2 Corinthians to us, but it's actually the third letter that Paul wrote. He wrote one in 1 Corinthians and tried to get the church straightened out. We believe he wrote a second letter to follow up the first letter to kind of see if things was on a good even keel. But there was a lot of reaction and response to the things that Paul was telling them, so they start questioning whether they even had to listen to him at all. So what we see in 2 Corinthians is Paul basically defining and defending his apostleship. And he says this, there's a lot of things that he wished he wouldn't have had to say. You can see that in verse, in chapter 8 and chapter 9 and so many different places through it. He wished he didn't have to say. Then he gets to chapter 12 and he says, I could boast even more. If, if you think that I'm, that I'm being somebody that I'm not, I can even boast even more. And he says, that he talks about being caught up into the third heaven. And God revealing things to him and showing him things that he is not to utter, which I think that's always good for anybody. If God takes you on a trip and shows you things, keep that between you and God. I don't need you writing no book about it and making a movie about it. Just keep it between you and the Lord. And so, so Paul says, he showed me things that I could not utter. But he said, because of what God has done in me and because of what God wants to do through me and because of the work that God wants to do in my life, he says, there's, there's, there's an ability for me to be conceited. So he... 
He talks about being given a thorn in the flesh, something on the inside that no one else can see. And Paul talks about how that, this thing affects him. So much so that he asked God three times to remove it. He defined it being something that caused him to be a little weak. He knew the damage it could do. He knew how it could affect him. As a matter of fact, he was talking about how it was affecting him. It was that, that inner trial that he had to live with, that he was carrying, and all of the things that God was using him to do, that was the thing that was affecting him. But Paul teaches us something through this. He teaches us about the adequacy of God. And I'm going to do something today that I don't, I rarely do. And I'm going to ask you for permission to do this because I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go straight into the application of what Paul is saying instead of dealing with the context. And rarely do I do that. I don't think it's, I don't like doing that. I don't like when people do it, but I'm asking you to grace to do that instead of dealing with what the thorn of the flesh is and, and dealing with more, a little bit more contextually and what Paul's prayer meant and did, did this thing come from God and why does he call it a messenger of Satan, which it, is, it did come from God, but yet I can still tell you why I was a messenger of Satan. Instead of dealing with all that, I want to go right to the textual, to, uh, the application of it. Because Paul, y'all all right with that? I'm just going to jump right to the application. So y'all wouldn't know if I didn't anyway. But, 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 but the, point, the, the, the point of it is Paul tells us that this thing was a weakness for him. But, but God is telling him that, that even though this is a weakness for you, even though that this is an inner trial, even though this is something that you live with and something that you're going to carry and something that's going to be with you, I'm still able to make you strong. I'm still able to make you endure. I'm still able to give you overcoming faith and power beyond your expectation. Paul is saying, even with this weakness, even with these inner trials, God is adequate enough to give us the ability through the power of Christ to overcome and endure any inner trial that we have. Are you with me so far? And I've learned in my Christian life that when those seasons come, when those seasons of those inner trials, of those secrets that, that, that take place, those things that's going on within us that no one else can see and no one else knows about, I, I've learned in my own life that God has given me some assurances that even if he doesn't remove that, even if that doesn't go away, even if he doesn't take it away, he's given me some assurances that I don't have to reel off the Christian plane. That this doesn't have to be so bad. And listen to me, when you reel off the Christian, if, 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 you, if you fly off the map with God and your relationship bails out on God on external trials, then you got more issues than what I'm talking about today. Because we learned, I learned this in the old church, we, we had an old saying, this too will pass. Come on, you can, you can be short on money, but that's going to pass one day. You, maybe your car ain't the kind of car you want, but that'll pass. Maybe you ain't living in the house that you want to live with, but that will pass. The external, you may not have the job you want. Come on, folks, that's external stuff. That's stuff that ain't got nothing to do with who I am and my identity and what God wants to do in my life and what he is doing in my life and who he wants me to be. That's external stuff. Most of the time when we get all flustered about external stuff, we need to take a look at who we really are exemplifying in Christ. It's the inner stuff that gets us. It's, it's the stuff that causes the hurt and the pain and the weaknesses that are right there that are working on the inside. 
But, but God is able, to, he gives us some gifts, some assurances that lets us know, even through times like this, just like he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. I have heard God through these gifts of assurance so many times to let me know my grace is sufficient. And one of those gifts is sonship. Just knowing that I am a child of God, that is a fact that cannot be removed, that cannot be denied. God will never reject me as his son. He has made me a son of his. He is my father, and I'm absolutely secure in my sonship in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no chance that I'm going to get out of Jesus, no chance he's going to throw me out of Jesus. There's no thought of being anything less than God's child. I have an absolute assurance that whatever may be going on internally, there's a great God that has a great promise for me that cannot be removed. Can you say amen? He says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adapted you as his own children. Listen to this. This is what's working on the inside. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. That's a gift of assurance. That's a grace that I hear God say, my grace is sufficient for you, my son. My grace is sufficient. But another gift of assurance is the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I love the Holy Spirit. I love having the Holy Spirit. I love that the Holy Spirit lives with me. I love that the Holy Spirit gets to talk out of me, that the Holy Spirit hangs out with me if I ain't with nobody else, that the Holy Spirit is there. I love that the Holy Spirit moves me and stirs me and gets me excited. I love that the Holy Spirit will sing to me and talk to me and reveal things to me. I love hanging out with the Holy Spirit. But there's another thing that the Holy Spirit does during these times. Listen, it says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Maybe you've never been there, but I have. I've been on my knees where the pain, the groaning and the moaning was so deep. I I don't care how many dictionaries you gave me. I don't care how many English classes at Yuma High School I failed. It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. There was no words there. But listen to what God says. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That's an assurance. That's a gift of assurance that God gives us. And then there's this one on security. We are absolutely secure in God. None of those things, external or internal changes that. This is a verse that I don't know why people miss it. I don't know why people are so concerned, and I'm I'm probably giving you half of my lesson on can you lose your salvation this morning, but I don't know why. First of all, I don't even know why people want to talk themselves into losing their salvation. Why, Why do you even want to talk yourself into it? Why do you want to be convinced? Why would you be happier if I say, oh, yeah, you can lose it. Okay, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you. I just wanted to know. Why would that even make you happier? I don't know. It it was a good thought on the plane. But security. 
Listen to what the scripture says. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. Did you miss that? I give them eternal life. This is Jesus saying this. And they shall never perish. But, but let's just go a little further. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. That's a gift from God. That's a gift of assurance, even when we're going through inner trials. And I'm going to tell you something. I've learned now I've come to the place in my life, it's not the inner trials that I go through that I'm trying to avoid. It's the adequacy of God that I love to enjoy. The adequacy of God that I love to enjoy. J.R. Packard done an illustration in either one of his writings or while he was preaching. And he said, he says, tell me who feels better about their accomplishments. The one who is brought in a helicopter and dropped down on the top of Mount Everest or the one who starts at the bottom and goes through all the crooks and the crannies and the rocks and the stumbling and the near dehydration and not eating as well on the way up and maybe temptation to fall and stumble and temptation to quit but yet gets to the top. Which one feels better about their accomplishments? The one who just dropped down on it and is standing at the top or the one who made the climb and gets to the top? Can I tell you about me? Give me the climb. Give me the climb. Don't drop me out of a helicopter. Let me enjoy this relationship with the almighty God when it's full of traps and stumbles and trip-ups. Give me that relationship with God when I know the adequacy of God will get me through it. That's the big idea. Through the power of Christ, God will give us the ability to endure and overcome inner trials. Now, I'm, I'm almost done with this, but, but I, I, I got to tell you, I talked about the adequacy of God, and that's God's part. But what about our part? What, what's our part in this? And, and there's something that I read in my devotional time. I know I've read it. I know I've probably read it a hundred times. And man, when it hit me, it hit me. And it's in Isaiah chapter 7. And oftentimes we know Isaiah chapter 7 because it talks about unto you a son as uh, no, a virgin shall bring forth a child. But there's a section right before that where Ahaz is the king of Judah. And it's Samaria, I believe, and Syria are getting ready to come in and attack him. And the Lord tell King Ahaz, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to bring them to nothing. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to handle it. You don't need to worry. But then he says this in verse number nine, and I got it in three different versions that you'll be able to see. Listen to what he says, though, to King Ahaz. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Uh Uh-oh, y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Because I just told you about the adequacy of God. And God's going to do his part. But what's my part? How about to be firm in faith? But it goes a little bit further. 
Because the Lord says, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. In other words, what God is saying, if you can't take a stand in your faith, no matter what you're experiencing, you can't take a stand on anything. And you can't stand at all. It won't be an inner trial that'll knock you out. It'll be that somebody ran a shopping cart to the side of your car. If you can't stand firm in faith, you can't stand firm at all. And the message says this, if you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. And finally, in the new living, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. I'm telling you what I know God can do. And I'm asking you to believe him. I'm telling you what God is saying he will do. I'm asking you to believe him. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm, ask, I'm telling you what God said he will do. I'm asking you to believe him. Because the only hope you got is faith, standing firm in the faith that you have in the almighty God. I'm going to ask the praise team to come, but I'm going to read one more passage. And this is one of those passages that you probably know well because it's out of Psalm 73. Because the psalmist, and it wasn't David, it was Asaph. Asaph was going through one of these situations, one of these internal, these inner trials. As a matter of fact, when you read Psalm 73, he even admits right around verse 15, verse 16, he even admits to the Lord that I'm keeping this inside me. I'm not telling anybody about what I'm telling you and what I'm going through. But then the scripture says he gets to the sanctuary before the presence of the almighty God. And then everything that God was doing for him became revealed. He saw how God was adequate for him and how God was powerful for him in weakness. And how God was sustaining him and helping him overcome and helping him endure. He saw that when he got before the presence of the Lord in the sanctuary. And then he says these words. I realize, this is verse 21, my heart was bitter and I was all torn up on the inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, talking to God. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. I love this. Catch this train. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Now, church, I shouldn't have to tell you to shout hallelujah on that. You should have already shouted hallelujah before I got there. What an amazing assurance from the Almighty God that no matter what's happening, what's going on, what trials we face, there's a God who's holding our hand. He's adequate enough, He's strong enough, He's powerful enough that even in our weaknesses, 
he still yet makes us strong. Everybody stand if you would. I can make an appeal for a number of things. And the prayer teams, if you don't mind coming, they'll, they'll be here and we'll certainly open the altars for you to come, whether uh, you need to, you want to give your life to Christ, you can do that. You want to be baptized. Maybe you've given your life to the Lord, but you haven't been baptized. We, we certainly want to, we want to, ex- want you to experience that baptism. You might be sick, need to be healed. There, there are people here that are pray with you. We believe God for healing, believe God for deliverance. Believe God for help, for grace, for strength, whatever that need is. But the truth of it is, you might, you might have heard that verse and say, man, bam. That's where it is right there. It's standing firm in my faith. It's standing firm in faith. Not faith as if you're going to abandon Christianity. But faith of really standing firm in you believing God. Not believe that God exists. Not believe that God is able. Not believe that God has the power and the capability. But you stand in faith, strong in your faith in God for you. For you. So I'm going to make this short and sweet. Altars open for whatever. This ain't India, but if you got a demon, bring it on. We'll get rid of that bad boy too. Whatever it is. But the altar is open. But I want to pray for you as a whole. Because that verse speaks to me. If you don't stand firm in your faith, you can't stand at all. And that's the bottom line, church. That's the bottom line. Jesus is not coming back on the cross to die again. He's taken care of your sins. He's done that. And, and, and you've already, if you believe in him and trust in him, you've already got the Holy Spirit. So it ain't like you need a new spirit. And we already got the eternal word in the, in the Bible. So it's not like you got to go redo anything. Now is just time to just believe him. Just believe him. And to stand firm in faith in the God that we know is so adequate and so able. Father, I thank you that you have just brought us in a, just a great assurance of your adequacy and your strength and how good you are, how awesome you are, how amazing you are. Lord, I, I didn't, I'm certainly didn't address particularly every situation that's in this building, but I do know again that I'm in the thoughts of folks with what I shared because every one of us have those moments of those secrets, Lord God, that, that inner trial that can have such an effect upon us. People don't know the hurt. They don't know the pain. They don't know the cry. They don't know the loneliness. They don't know the things that affect us internally because of it. But you do. And you're able to meet them. More so, Lord God, as we share today, you're adequate. Just like you told Paul, I get it, man. This is on the inside of you. It affects you. You feel weak. You feel overcome at times. You feel overwhelmed. It's almost more than you are willing to bear. But I'm telling you, even in this weakness, I will make you strong. 
And Father, that's my prayer for the people of God today, that even in this weakness, you will make them strong. My request, my prayer is that they will stand firm in faith. Stand firm in faith and believe you that you can do it. And so, Lord God, some will come for various things. Some will come concerning this. But I just speak faith over this building. I speak faith in the life of the people of God. I speak confidence. I speak hope in the Lord God Almighty. No matter how weak people may feel, no matter how overcome they may feel, no matter how defeated they may feel, I speak faith in the name of the Lord Jesus, that they are overcomers, that they are victorious, that this won't take them out, this won't take them down, this is not more than they can bear. I speak faith in the name of Jesus, that they will stand strong, that they will stand strong, they will stand firm and believe in you. In Jesus' name we pray, may the people of God say amen.